With 25 years in service, the Mystic Dream is today's premier marketplace for all your spiritual supplies. Join us at our Walnut Creek location nestled in the San Francisco Bay Area of California or online for a state-of-the-art shopping experience. The Mystic Dream offers a wide selection of candles, statues, jewelry, crystals, books, tarot and oracle cards, as well as conjure, root work, and witchcraft supplies. Join us online at www.themysticdream.com. The Mystic Dream, where ancient wisdom meets the new aeon. Welcome to the Modern Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and joining me in the studio, of course, is the lovely, amazing, and magical Jess Carlson. Jess, how are you doing today? Oh, just fine. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm excited that we have been able to, so far, get an episode out a week. This is this was a personal goal of mine, and so that far... That is magic itself. Like. That is magic. Yeah. Uh, well, it's because it's totally not easy, and, I, and I, as we were talking the other day, I think... Every episode takes just about six to eight hours, I think, like when you really like by the time we record it and then I go through and edit it and then put everything together and then design, you know, whatever art needs to go with it and so on. It's just about six to eight hours. It's um, you got to love to do it. So the fact that I've been able to take six to eight hours a week to make it happen, I'm just kind of impressed. Well, excellent. Good job. More so, not at myself, but just at the <laughs> amazingness of it. I'm not impressed by it because there are people who are pumping out like six and eight episodes a week. I have no idea how they do that kind of stuff, but because um, they get paid a lot of money to do it. I guess. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So what podcast are you listening to these days? Um, right now, I am going through old episodes of Wizard and the Bruiser and listening to uh, episodes on video games that. I once played and didn't know anything about like history right. wise. So I've been listening yeah. to that. That's been kind of fun. Um, and, uh, and I, I, if it, for anyone who's into video games, sci-fi nerdy kind of stuff like that, movies, pop culture, I absolutely love that podcast. Holden and Jake are hilarious. And they did a really great um, two episode uh, thing on the Ghostbusters which was really interesting. Learned a lot of interesting stuff about the original Ghostbusters movies. So that's kind of fun. And then other than that, I'm listening to uh, my usual stuff, which uh, is I have three standard podcasts I listen to uh, every week, which is last podcast on the left, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat and Resting Witch Face. So those are the other three that I always listen to. I've, I've never heard of Resting Witch Face. It's a, it's really fun very fun <laughs> i will have to check it out okay yeah no th see this is my thing is i realize my life is not as full of like awesome things like you know witchy podcasts and whatnot as i would like it to be and so <laughs> i want to fix that okay so resting witch face everybody write that down i of course I, I i'm totally into last podcast on the left it's it's kind of my 
It's 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 like the one podcast that Chaz and I can listen to together. Storm never wants to listen to it because he doesn't like murder. But mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, I love cults and murder and the occult. And all of those things are on the last podcast. So I'm a big fan. Um, the Facebook group is kind of fucking crazy for that podcast, though. Uh, yeah, you- I, I remember when I was on Facebook and I was in that that group. It, the the in, the Reddit is crazy, too, because that's now where I am since I'm not on Facebook. Um, it's But it's interesting, though. The other like seeing like the other people that also listen to the podcast and like realizing that you might think you're a little fucked up. You're not. You're fine. There are people <laughs> way worse than you. Like, anything true. that you think is a bad thought in your head. Somebody's got one 10 times worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. One of the coolest things about it, though, is we were we were in Denver. I think it was Denver. And I'm walking down the street and there was like this, you know, some I don't know. She was a millennial like with her with her group of friends. And she was wearing a last podcast on the left T-shirt. And we were just out in the wild. And I just totally looked at her and I said, hail Satan. And um, she said, hail Gein. And we just had this <laughs> moment together. Um, perfect and strangers. Magustulations to you, sir. <laughs> and magustulations to you. Uh, that's a, the last podcast thing. So hopefully, yeah, we recommend it. Go check it out. Um, and we're going to we've been inspired by them and in some ways and so we've got some show ideas that are coming up because of things that we we discovered from listening to that show so totally check out last last the last (laughs) podcast on the left and i will Um, say about that podcast though and i which i always find funny so some people will listen to it like totally excited for learning about some of the more obscure like history about either the occult or uh you know murders and 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 crime and stuff like that but then get offended by the humor on the show it's like but you're not offended by stories about like serial child rape but you get offended (laughs) by the humor of the people who are on the show sure i suppose i mean if you're gonna draw a line i guess you know that's the line to draw Whatever, you know, so it is I will just say it is a very uh, not work safe kind of podcast. But if you have a dark sense of humor, you will absolutely love it if you don't already. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's my it's the thing I have to listen to. Like I try to get there once a week because that's about every time a a show drops. Um, But it's usually like that's what we're listening to on the way into work. And, you know, so because we couldn't play it in the shop. Oh, my God, that would not. Oh, my God. No, (laughs) no, that would that would be the like that'd be anathema to what we were trying to create for the store. Mm -hmm. But um, but it it is a a thing because I do love, you know, my my whole thing that people I don't I think I've talked about this. Maybe I have. Uh, I don't know what. So. Before you were going to go down this road of of being a professional witch, um, you know, you had other plans. You had dreams about what you were what you were going to grow up to be. And mm-hmm. for me, there were two things that I wanted to be. I either wanted to um, be a a band director like for a public school because I I was really into music and I was a band kid, um, mega hardcore band nerd. Um, and actually, that's what I originally was going to college for was uh, music education and performance. And, um, but that didn't work out. I had like a whole crisis of like understanding who the hell I was, um, like literally two weeks before school was supposed to start. And I ended up, um, not being able to take advantage of some wonderful offers the college had given me. My mother to this day still has not forgiven me. Um, (laughs) and so, because I just like, Oh, music, like, you know, I, so I had long story short, I had a, uh, 
uh, a mentor who was um, had principled principled in the exact same instrument that I was principling in. And he told me that there was no way in hell I'd ever get a job. So uh, just and it wasn't because I was bad. It was because no one like needs a, a euphonium player. So um, <laughs> it's so like, OK, so it was this it was hard. And so I went through this whole like, well, what then what am I going to do? And the only only thing that I could do at the time was readings, basically. So that ended up kind of really becoming a big bigger part of my life at the time. But what I'd wanted to do um, had I been able to kind of follow through with some other plans. See, the world expects you to know who you are way too fucking young, I say. But what I wanted to do was go into the FBI. I wanted to be a profiler. And um, I think I'd be fucking amazing at it, actually. Uh, not just because I am a little psychic. Well, well, we'll just call it a little psychic, at least, you know, from the FBI standpoints. But um, I'm a little intuitive, would say. But uh, not because of that, but because I, I enjoy thinking about what's going on in somebody's mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy that. I enjoy thinking about serial killers and why they're doing what they're doing. I'm not, it's not like I'm enjoying it like they're enjoying it, but I'm right. enjoying the process of trying to understand, like, what is it inside of somebody that clicks off and says, it's okay to kill a person? Right. What is it inside of somebody that clicks off and says, it's okay to kill an animal? Right. So like we right. do like ritual sacrifices and things. Well, those things still happen. It's not my thing, but, you know, those things are still happening. So what is it that that in you gives you the authority to go do those things? That's fascinating to me. What is it that's inside of somebody that makes them give over their personal sovereignty to a cult leader? Right. Like, that's a that's, big one for me. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's yeah. incredible shit. So I love this. I love true crime and I love um, in vet deep investigation, you know, kind of stuff. And anytime um, the occult gets kind of drug into it, it's it's even better for me. So yeah. it's interesting that that's your little pathway, because mine was actually kind of similar, because when I was in high school, I wanted to the main thing I wanted to do was become a um, a uh, forensic um Oh, crap. What the? I just had the name in my head. Um, a not necessarily a, a, per, a profiler, but um, doing like forensic psychology and and um, more kind of I, I was into the idea of working um, to actually to like already having like that profile, already knowing like what you're looking for and actually doing like the detective work to try and like sort that out. So when I was in high school, um, forensic psychology was a thing I was like super into wanting to get into. And then I totally fucked up my high school career by getting really into just, you know, like hanging out and, (laughs) and doing teenager things. Yeah. And so like completely, uh, had the worst grades to go on to get into college. So the other thing that I wanted to do, um, was actually going to radio. And so that's what I ended up going to, to college for was, was radio. And, um, I ended up not really enjoying on air unless it was like late at night when there were no rules. Um, because I was really, I, I'm, I have to say like, bless my mother's heart for being supportive of this. But when I was in high school, I was really, really inspired to want to get into radio because of Howard Stern. <laughs> Totally. And it shows. I I love you, (laughs) but it totally shows. So so I I ended up, you know, not really enjoying like traditional on air because that's how our college radio station was run, because it wasn't technically a college radio station It was actually community radio. So it had all of the standard FCC rules and, and, you know, you had to have your commercial breaks and all that bullshit. And I hated it. But at nighttime, when there when none of that applied, 
that was when I enjoyed it. So I got interested, though, at the time of getting into like A&R and being involved in like, you know, music programming and stuff for radio station. And so I did kind of try to get into that after school. But because I have a even now, but even more so at the time when I was like 20, 21, very young sounding voice. And every radio station that I sent my air tapes to and tried to get into um, wouldn't take me because they said I sounded too young. And because of the music that I was, um, you know, the, the type of stations I was going for, which at the time we're talking like it's the mid nineties. So alternative rock and, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. It, they were like, it's just going to sound too much like you're a college DJ given our music and, you know, it's just not going to work. And so I ended up not getting any kind of job there. So I ended up having to just take your standard, you know, office customer service job. And that was when I found, oh, I could just do readings and stuff like that because I would do readings for people on like breaks and at lunch and stuff. And everybody would be like super into it and love what I did. And so then eventually that's just how that all panned out. But this was never my <laughs> right. never my plan. No, no, this this was this was plan C, actually. Yeah, really. Um, and and that's OK, because, you know, I, I I remember reading something and I even think I I put it in a forward or something. I I, I read this thing where um, oh I knew it was it was um, Gordon White in Chaos Protocols. Um, in the introduction to Chaos Protocols, he writes something along the lines of like, sometimes in life, um, it isn't about plan making plan A work or even, you know, or plan B, but it's about making the most out of plan C. And I, and that stuck with me because that's just exactly the way, you know, it's worked out in my life. Um, and that's, you know, that, now see, because I, I had wanted to get into radio when I was young. Like we're talking, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, you know, up to maybe like 16, 17 years old. And um, like that was that was one of those things of like, well, it's it's, a, it's still music. It's still these things. And I still really, really would have those things fit together. And then my brother-in-law told me my voice sounded too, quote unquote, faggy and <laughs> that um, I would never be able to get on the radio. And it totally squashed my dreams. And it's okay. Fuck him. She left him and ha ended up with a much better husband. And my nephews are in a much better situation, too. So that guy was just an ass. But uh, it totally affected me. It totally impacted me, you know, early on. So things I, I changed what it was that I wanted to do because I thought my voice was too faggy. Well, I was a, I was still a teenager. Like my voice wasn't even a voice, you know, like it wasn't solidified yet. And also, fuck you. <laughs> and now I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so like everybody on radio. Radio has a vacky voice and yeah, I would really? be just fine. Now, <laughs> speaking of things from when we were younger that um, are different now, um, I, we, we were having this interesting discussion about um, things that we thought, you know, were one way when we started practicing that ended up being a very different kind of thing when once we've been practicing for a while. And um I, I, I thought we should totally bring some of those things up because you made some really good points. Um, and I think people who are listening are going to be able to go, oh, yeah, that's totally me. Because we're at this point, I think, in witch culture where there's enough of us who have been around for longer than 10 years um, or, you know, even 20 years who know there's a lot of witch crap. 
out in the world and there's a lot of bullshit um, especially when it comes to the things that we're introduced to usually really early on um, so let's talk about that let's let's talk about some of those things that you thought were like legit witchcraft things when you started out that just totally were bullshit in the end well the big one for me that I think caused a lot of confusion and eventually wasted time and frustration was the whole initiation debacle and that whole like mess that I think a lot of people fall into. I think that you kind of get told early on or you get the impression made upon you early on that if you are ever going to be seen as someone who either A, knows what they're talking about, or B, can ever help anyone else or teach anyone else anything, that you have to be like this, you know, third degree of the seventh order high priestess of this, that, and the other. And unless you have done that, you are a peon who knows nothing. And And I kind of like I understand because, again, of course, that goes back to a little bit of the gatekeeping stuff. And I I can understand this at a certain time in history. Um, Obviously, now things are very different because information is so much more readily available and anything you want to know about anything for the most part on witchcraft or the occult, you just have to know where to look and you can find it. Nothing I think is truly hidden anymore. I just think it's a matter of your tenacity to find it. Um, but I, I can understand like in the forties, the fifties, the sixties, like I, I can kind of get it a little bit, but I think now that it's, it's bullshit in a lot of ways. Um, and the big thing that I discovered personally, after going through a really difficult process of going through priestess training with one of the most narcissistic, mentally abusive priestesses I've ever known, who ended up being the perfect lesson in what not to be and how not to do this work. Um, I feel like, you know, when I look back on it, it didn't matter. Like I know now it makes no difference. Had I fully gone through that whole process and spent all of the time I would have needed to spend doing what I had to do to get the initiations from that person, when the time would have come that I would have walked away and been like, you know what, you really are insane. And so now I'm leaving. I have what I came for. It wouldn't have fucking mattered because no one else has to take any of your prior initiations into consideration if you go somewhere else, unless you're just now on your own and starting your own thing. So I kind of feel like people who feel like they have to get initiated and they have to have these titles and all of that, I think are kind of going after it for the wrong reason. I think that it's great to get the experience and to learn what you can. I don't think the initiation itself is terribly important. In most cases, not in most cases, in actuality, (laughs) the initiation into a group, like the actual uh, ritual process, the initiation that the person gives you in the ritual and then confers whatever title and then gives you whatever token of representation, that is all just nonsense in a lot of ways. It's what happens internally and energetically through that process and after that's the real initiation 
like the actual ritual and and like, you know, oh, I bestow upon you the title of yada, yada, yada. Like, that's fine. But that's not to me well, true initiation. Right. Anyway. But that's also those are just superficial. Yeah, they're just superficial things. So I have a I don't know. I'm 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 with you on it's like 90 percent of this. Um, and then there's stuff that I feel conflicted about. And so like for me, I was totally that witch who started out and then spent way too much time seeking initiation and other and groups. And, you know, I where I grew up and I think really you're coming is you're coming up as a witch was was in a similar kind of at least, you know, aesthetic from the what I mean by is, you know, the community of people I was interacting with, it mattered to them that that you were initiated in a official witchcraft tradition and they weren't going to take you seriously unless you were, uh, you know, traditionally trained and you had yada, yada, yada. So. For me, my search for initiation started out really looking for validity. I, I wanted people to take me seriously because I was having really awesome experiences and I'd get into these really great conversations and then it would break down to, well, you're really smart, but you're really young. And that was a lot of what I was, you know, I still deal with that. Um, and so it's this, you know, for me, that's what it started out as. And then and and I will also say that was what my teachers kind of presented things as, too, to some extent. It was like, well, you have to do this. And if you don't do this, then you're not a real witch. And so I spent a lot of time looking to get initiated because I wanted to be a real witch. And that was bullshit. You know, that was absolute bullshit. Now, what I will say is that in all of that... Like, for instance, in my Dianic training, the degrees were treated more like rites of passage. And I think that's really what they should be. And so um, you were you received your degrees based off of what work you had done successfully on yourself and in the world. And so, like, you can't just be a priest because you're like really into a god. What the fuck does that matter? You're it's you're basically just a roadie like and that's fine. But what makes a priest a priest is that you become the living embodiment of that work of that God and that you become, you know, basically their living vessel on earth. And I didn't understand any of that at the time. I thought it was about um, authority, essentially. You know, I thought people would take me seriously as well. And this is a giggle, too, because my name back then. That's another thing. My name back then. Are you ready? When I got all when I got through my uh, my Wiccan training, are you ready for the name I took? <laughs> this should be good. Yes. <laughs> I was Lord Hydronis. Okay, just kill yourself. That's terrible. Seriously, right? It was fucking horrible. <laughs> and so, and then I was, and then um, after my Wicca or after my Dianic training, I took on the name Blue Clover Moon. And so I was Lord Blue Clover Moon for a minute. Um, and so, the, and this was all part of that, like trying to get, seeking approval essentially from all of these other people. Now, at the other end of it, now let's say, you know, I'm, you know, this is many, many moons later. Um, I, you know, after studying with the, in the fairy tradition, it's, it totally changed for me because I was suddenly a part of a tradition where there were spirits, like actual spirits that the tradition worked with and upheld, and you're not going to get them outside of the tradition. And it isn't that there isn't like fuck loads of information about a lot of what goes on in fairy out there. I mean, Starhawk was an initiate early on, and so you can pick up the spiral 
spiral i think it's a spiral dance and in the spiral dance there's all the fairy gods there's like their names you know like all like there's workings and stuff to connect with them all that stuff is there so like this quote-unquote secrets are secret and you're never going to find them and if you were to stumble upon them no one in the tradition is going to tell you that they're a secret so you'll never know that they were secret and so it's this it's this interesting kind of approach to it but really what the initiation does um because there's one initiation so you don't get multiple initiations it's like you're in your end and that's why you train fucking forever um for me it was seven years um to get initiated into fairy and once you're going through that process there is an energy current that is passed on that you are attuned to it's like getting a reiki kind of like when you go to get a reiki attunement so there is this thing that happens but what i didn't know was that most witchcraft traditions that's not how it goes right and right and that's that's the difference and i knew i knew that you were going to bring that up because i know uh, you know that you've done the fairy tradition and that's very different and when but they, and i think that for most people they're not having that experience because they're going more towards you know like wicca and all that where it's more just title and you know there is no real exchange of anything um whereas like with fairy and like in reiki and and things like that there is an actual um, and like in the shamanic training that I've done, you know, there is an actual like energy attunement. There's a, a, you know, energy work that's done that changes you. And, you know, the like the initiations that I went through in my shamanic training, certainly vastly different experiences from any tr- initiations I went through during um, any of my Wiccan or, you know, Wiccan-esque groups that I was ever in, you know, very different. And when you experience that you you kind of i think understand like oh that's an initiation like that other right. thing was just kind of like a cool ritual right yeah <laughs> you know? and, and that's why i said like my the the initiations that i think stuck with me the most were i mean my dianic initiations i remember everything about i don't remember all of my wiccan initiations um i remember like a little bit of here and there, but they just didn't stick out. It was like going to church on Sunday. You just forget about it. Right. 40, you know, you know, so it was just because it was all reading from a book and it was all uh, structure. That's what it was. You know, it wasn't uh, nothing was based on you having an ecstatic experience or being being transcendentally connected to anything. It was just, OK, you've gone through these things. You've learned how to cast the circle this way. You've learned how to um, invoke the gods this way. Now, here's the big secret. And this is what's supposed to be revealed at the end is the gods are one. There is right. there is, you know, oh, OK, well, you know, and sacred fires. That's how we start out. Like I start out with, OK, so the star goddess and this because the star goddess was the penultimate secret. Secret and Wicca, at least the way that I was trained, um, was that the god and the goddess are one, and you know, and we refer to that as the star goddess. And there's different names for for that being. Um, and in fairy, that's like you have this from the get go. There's an ecstatic. You're building an ecstatic relationship with that that individual. And so in Sacred Fires, right out the get go, I thought it was so important to be like, okay, if we're focusing on this, we're not going to get to do these other things that I think are more important. So we're just going to get this out, out right out the get go. The star goddess is the universe and we worship the universe as beings that are part of the universe. And um, we are that that is why we are God. It isn't this philosophical thing that I think a lot of occultists get tripped up on where you are God and and that it that gives you the, I guess, ability to change 
change the universe and da, da, whatever. No, you're God because you're part of God. And so mm-hmm. there you go. That's that's how that works out. And um, yeah, so it's just it's totally different. And I think really um, because of fairy, my standards were raised as far as what I expected out of my students, what I expected as you know out of myself as a teacher. And now I'm about to go out to Massachusetts to do two really big initiations in Sacred Fire. So like the the final kind of hoopla for for two people and i'm totally nervous about it because it's like the first time you know because sacred fires was the, well you were around for the beginning of sacred fires you were there yep. for that and yep. um and it's turned into this like thing it just kind of grew like everything <laughs> like everything we start and we think it's just going to be a little thing um <laughs> it, it's turned into its own its own beast and now you know it's it's just this interesting thing. So I'm like, you know, for me, as somebody who's about to go do these initiations, I know exactly what it is that I want to happen for the people. Um, and I want I know what I want to happen for the spirits. But I also like from the get go, everything has always been about these people working on themselves and using the tools of the tradition to do so. So, you know, that we know from day one that their relationship with the gods that we worship are going to be very different from mine and that's expected and so like we have just a different approach to these things and in our tradition than i had anywhere else you know in wicca there was definitely specific ways of doing it i think the initiation just marked that you had learned those things um and my dianic training it was like okay so um, you struggled with uh, being abused as a child and that's affected you in these ways as an adult. Your work in this degree is going to be about healing that. And then, you know, once you have healed yourself, healing the world. And so you go out and you help people who are in a, in a similar situation. That was basically like the goal for the initiations. And so they were rites of passage. It was look at this person who's actually stepping up to the plate to do something, not just about their shitty lives, but about what's going on in the world. It was a totally different thing. So I had one, you know, so it's just been uh, with these initiations that I've undergone, there's just been different angles that everybody approached as to what was important. And what I found was I didn't really feel like there was a big spiritual shift mm-hmm. until there was an energy attunement. If there wasn't an energy attunement, then it didn't. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But, well, it's kind of like what you were saying. You can go online and you can find it out. It's not. Right. I mean. Then yeah, what, that's and, what the initiation is supposed to. It's supposed to mark you as somebody who is right. not only starting; it's starting on this path now that you are attuned to this thing, um, but it's also marking you as somebody who is like those other priests and priestesses. Mm-hmm. You know, you are a t- your energy is similar to their own. You are part of that. So it's weird to me when there isn't an, an attunement because I feel like okay, go to YouTube. Right. Well, I mean, like when I went through, um, yeah. You know, first, second, third, and then into um, what ended up becoming the year that would lead into my eventual high priestess initiation in the Wiccan group that I was in. When I did to to get up to third degree, it was just, you know, you had to lead, uh, you know, X number of rituals, write X number of rituals, um, help with uh, the yearly, like there was a big festival that they did every year, had to help with that had to like do some teaching stuff. And then when you got into the year that would then supposed to culminate in either, you know, your high priest or high priestess initiation, it was just more of the same. It was just like, you know, how well do you know how to do the paperwork basically? Like how efficient can you be with holding a ritual? How many people can you, you know, do a ritual for without 
setting something on fire or, you know, like things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything really about growth in a lot of ways. And then when I had the, the final, you know, get to that final, <laughs> like in a video game, the final checking point, and now it's time to like get your achievement <laughs> for the, for the game and like unlock the next big thing. Like you get to that point where, okay, now you're going to have this initiation. Now you're going to be seen as like, you know, this um, person who now has supposedly has access to some, so at least like, I think this is how I know this is how I saw my high priestesses. And I know that this is how people will view those people, you know, like, well, now you have something that nobody else has. You have access to some sort of energy or knowledge or skill or something. And so I, I go through all this, have my initiations, get to that point. Now I have, now I'm like, have this title and I have this ability to do these other things. And none of it felt like anything. Like it didn't change anything about me. It didn't change anything about who I was, how I, how I grew or anything like that. Flip that though, into when I was taking my shamanic training and when I went through uh, the nine moon key rites, my life went into a fucking tailspin after every one and every single right through that process, every initiation, every, every energy that I was attuned to, every single thing that was opened up, everything that happened, there was a very clear change in me and in the world around me and in my life. And that was never anything that I experienced in my Wiccan initiations and training and life and what have you. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with Wicca or anything like that. Certainly not. I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But I feel like I didn't grow so much as a person. I learned a lot. I learned a lot of stuff about modern paganism. I learned all about everything you need to know about all your, you know, fucking Sabbaths and your seasonal traditions and yada, yada. And that's great. And of course, I use that that knowledge. And that's been, you know, important. But I don't feel like it changed me on a soul level like the shamanic work I did um, and some of the other stuff that I've done over the years where you know, there was no, it wasn't an, an initiation that came with some big title and like, you know, recognition, but it was an initiation. And I think that we, we get that, especially when you're new and especially when you're like, oh, look at all of these people that held their first degree, second degree, third degree. Like, oh, I, how do I do that? Cause like, I want to be seen as important or like I matter. And I think that there's, you know, that level of what really is initiation yeah. is not always distinctive between like the ritual of initiation and the process of initiation because they're not the same. The ritual should facilitate the process, but it doesn't always. Well, and I think, too, we deal with, you know, we learn what our teachers found interesting and what they could comprehend. And so, like, one of the things I'm constantly talking about since the Witch's Book of Spirits had come out is this idea that you know, I hate to say it, but there was this whitewashing of the craft that happened, uh, especially when we hit like 1940s and 50s, because people didn't want to be seen as evil. You know, I don't blame them. You know, they wanted to be able to practice what they wanted to do in peace. And, you know, we tend to get these blooms of of paganism in the modern pagan renaissance right after wars. And, and so it's like right before a war and right after a war is when we tend to get these things. And it's because people feel the most comfortable. 
And so, um, and the, but the minute we start to feel uncomfortable, we we pull back everything. And so, you know, uh, paganism has seen these kind of blooms pop in and out. And I bring all of this up because a lot of the people who we we have to thank for the renaissance of witchcraft in contemporary culture were rich people who were reading books that were being translated from things that were happening in the east and there's yes there's anthropology and there's other things from europe that were involved but for the most part these were people who were just guessing at what they thought made sense um and and you know and how the pieces of the puzzle were, were fit together and people who were going off and they were being introduced to things from the east that they had never experienced before and they were having real life shifts happening like you were talking about with you know your your shamanic training and so then they were bringing those things over infusing them into western um occultism and that's wonderful and that's great but you get you you it it, it totally shifts the idea that a witch was this person who was living in the woods and had the the gift of the second sight and you know all of that stuff because that was that was sure that existed but that was not the predominant story that was going on by any means for the most part it was the people who had access to material coming up with this stuff like the i hate to break it to you people but the sabbats that was all invented by like some pagans just a couple years ago really um but we've all accepted these things in modern paganism is like well this is the standard way of going about it and so what we what we find in this whitewashing of of witchcraft isn't that people just didn't want to be seen as scary or spooky to the outside world, but also that they were not understanding what was really going on in these these um, uh, these traditions and these cultures that they were studying. They just had no idea because it was foreign to them. And so mediumship, you know, it, it's uh, to me as a teacher, that's the most important thing. You developing um, your uh, gnosis with a spirit mm-hmm. and using that that's the most important thing you could ever do the most important initiations you're ever going to get are from a spirit they're not going to be from me as your teacher and so i i push these things on my students really early on and say you have to you have to develop gnosis you have to develop your mediumship skills these are why we are here you know at training and doing this work outside of this though i never got any of that i only received um just that insight because that's what my spirits were making me do but i never had any teacher tell me that mediumship was expected of you as a witch i never had any teacher tell me that you had to be able to get verified information as a psychic in order to you know get through certain training it was always they were presenting to you a a a shallow um kind of understanding of something that they just didn't have a natural affinity for so they weren't psychics you know necessarily in the way that we would consider psychics to be psychic today or they weren't shamans or they weren't you know sensitive in certain ways so they just didn't teach it or they they taught it very you know again shallow they taught it kind of a shallow example of something that then became the standard and that necessarily wasn't the standard before people started mucking with stuff um, but because teachers didn't understand it it didn't get passed on um, even in fairy you know after one of the things we get is like this big tome with all of the the different um, uh, rituals and things from different you know different parts of the tradition and there's a lot of similar, but there's a lot of difference. And it, you could tell, oh, this teacher thought this was more important than this other stuff. This teacher thought this was more important. There's things, you know, depending on the line that you just won't see. Um, no two lines will be similar. So it's just it's this thing of like, well, that's happening everywhere in every tradition. And in all of the books we read, like you you go to pick up a witchcraft book, you're reading what the author finds interesting. Exactly. You know, uh, that's it. And so, you know, when I was 
when I'm going through when I was writing the Witch Power series, I, I was writing about the work that I had done because I found, you know, I found my work interesting. This was stuff that helped me. It changed my life. So I wanted to write about it. But that was it. I mean, it was literally this is my viewpoint on something. And that was it. And that's all you ever get when you're working with a teacher. So there isn't there. You could never have one teacher and understand it all. You could never have one initiation. And under. I mean, you, you, it's, it's impossible to really be able to say that you you grasp what an initiation really is until you've had a couple of them. I think, in my opinion, it's hard to grasp what work really is until you've seen it from a couple of different angles and a couple of different viewpoints. And you come up with your own damn definitions of what, you know, success is and what um, magic looks like and, and all of those things. You have to do that. And that was something that I think gets lost in that veneer of, oh, you have to get initiated into this, you know, this this tradition to understand the mysteries. No, you're going to understand those people's mysteries. You're going to understand the work that 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 originating founder found interesting other than that you're not going to get anything else you're not going to find maybe what you're looking for and so it is in my opinion important to go and study with multiple groups and multiple traditions respectfully um, but do so to get different angles and do so to get different viewpoints so that you can construct your own non-verified personal gnosis because that's to me the the just the the apex of spiritual development Hey there, thanks for listening to The Modern Witch. I just want to take a moment and talk to you about some of the incredible things we have going on over at the Mystic Dream Academy, namely Black Rose Witchcraft. Storm, Chaz, and myself have created this online training program that fuses the best of modern traditional witchcraft, folk magic, American conjure, and psychic development into one system that is accessible to everyone. Right now, Black Rose has over 300 members and a growing body of initiates. That means the forums are full, there are loads of people who are learning at the same pace as you, and there is a nice backlog of additional content. Our Book of Shadows comes in two versions, an easy-to-print black and white, and a full-color illustrated PDF that I designed personally. I spent years looking for a coven and tradition that was a good fit for my lifestyle and that wasn't full of a bunch of strings that were attached to everything. With Black Rose, you know our expectations and we know yours. Visit us online at blackrosewitchcraft.com for more info. Now back to the show. Yeah, and I, it's kind of the same as, you know, when I find myself often answering questions about like, oh, you know, I'm new and what kind of book should I read? Anything and everything you can get your hands on, don't worry about who the author is because every author is like a different teacher. You know, you can read five different books on the same subject. Like, for instance, you can read five different, um, you know, like introduction to Wicca books and you're going to get all of the same basic stuff, like you'll get the same structure. You'll get someone who's going to tell you like, these are the eight Sabbaths. But then you're going to get a different take from everyone on on maybe like what deities to honor at those Sabbaths and, and what things to do during those rituals and how to connect with the, you know, the changing of the season and all that. And eventually, I think everybody like it or not, you do come to a point where you create your own personal view that takes all of those things into consideration. Everything that you've learned from whatever traditions you've chosen to study formally or informally, and then you just, you kind of walk away with your own take of things. And whether you bring that into then following a formal tradition for an extended period of time, or you go off on your own and you're just doing your own thing, 
you know, you end up becoming formed by all of those many things. And each time that you kind of go through, a, you know, a growth spurt spiritually, that is like an initiation. It is changing you and, and opening you up to something new. So, you know, I just think that it it's important to kind of when you look at things like, oh, I want to be seen as whatever I want to be taken seriously or I want to um, to do something within magic or witchcraft. And I feel I have to have these titles and things, you know, I like I get it because that was me like that was my whole reason for wanting to go through all of that process way back when, because I knew I wanted to help people through spiritual and magical counseling, whether it was through using tarot or more traditional um, coaching type stuff. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was pretty much impressed upon me that you can't do that if you're not initiated and if you're not, you know, a high priestess of such and such. And I was like, okay, great. Well, so what do I do? Where do I go? How do I make that happen? And it ended up being one of the worst experiences of my life, but also a blessing at the same time, because I learned so much through such a horrible experience. And I think that, you know, today I do get the impression from a lot of the newer practitioners that I end up speaking with that there is a bit of a different take now. Like this is not as big of an issue now as it was like for me 20 years ago. So like, that's good. And I, do believe that that has a lot to do with, you know, just technology and the internet and all that and the, the, you know, vast amount of information that's now available more readily. And I think that then at the same time, though, you have to take into consideration that if you're now, if you're not going to be part of a group, if you're not going to take formal training, that's totally fine. I'm hundred percent all for not doing that if it's not right for you. But that means now you're responsible for your own spiritual initiation and your own growth. And, you know, just reading a bunch of books and knowing a bunch of shit just means you'd be really great at like a witchcraft trivia pub night. Like it doesn't mean anything. It means you're (laughs) a nerd. It's it's okay to be a nerd. (laughs) Yeah. But but that's if you want it to be something that, that impacts your life and changes you and all of that and actually gives you something, you know, everyone's like, Cause let's just face it. Everyone who's getting, who gets into witchcraft at one time or another is like after power. And that's fine because it does give you personal power, but only if you learn how to actually use what you learn and you're not just reading a bunch of books and knowing a bunch of facts like that, that's not important. So, but that was one of the, the big things for me that I realized in the process of going through it, like, Oh, this is not at all like what I thought it was or as important as I thought it was. And, um, you know, but yeah. I'm glad that I went through it the way I did, because otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, come away from it like I did. So now I will say that, like the just as much as we're experiencing, you know, as we've gotten older, that, um, you know, we've been able to kind of have bigger opinions because we're more informed than our teachers were 10, 15 years ago. There are people who are are Wiccan, who are like traditional Wiccan. And I would say that if those people were around when I was studying, I probably would have had a very different relationship to the work. And it's just, again, it's because of like what, what you're, you know, you're taught what your teachers will, you know, what your teachers know. And I will say, so I will recommend this because I, I, I think one of the things that tends to happen with Wicca is that it gets bashed a lot. And that's not mm-hmm. what Jess and I are doing at all. No. Um, because we like, we know that we wouldn't be here if Wicca wasn't a thing. Like we totally get that. So 
there's there's props to that. But I will say, if you are interested in Wicca and you want to to learn about it, and I, I can recommend two books that are new that I wish I would have had 20 years ago. I wish I would have had 20 years ago. So the first one is Traditional Wicca, a Seeker's Guide, and that's by Thorn Mooney. It's really, really fucking good. Um, and then the second one is Transformative Witchcraft by Jason Mankey. And so that one is, it's, um, it is about Wicca, um, and he's got some really wonderful things in there. And so I would recommend those two. So if you're, a, if you're into Wicca, and that Wiccanate practice and you like your fertility cycles and you like the wheel of the year and that's your type of witchcraft, maybe check those things out. Those would be good resources. And then you can avoid the crap that Jess and I had to, uh, to, to go through for so long. <laughs> um, so in addition to that, too, like I, I totally felt when I was a young witch that there was like this body of knowledge that all like w- like real witches and experienced witches knew and that eventually one day I would like be able to tap into that. And that was lie. That was all crap um, because everything is so different. And along with that came this, this kind of feeling or fear that I was never going to fit in with these people. And so one of the things that I wanted to bring up was this idea of the imposter syndrome, because this is something that I always I don't know about you, but I've always had imposter syndrome. I've always felt like an imposter in any of my groups and any of the the organizations, the pagan organizations I've been a part of, I've always felt like I was the other inside of the outsider group. Um, and when I got published and uh, people re- you know, found out I was writing books, it, that all changed. Like it got worse. And so have you experienced imposter syndrome? Like, have you experienced any of that stuff or am I just like a super crazy weird guy? I don't know that I, I don't know that I've ever in, in magic or in the witch community felt like I've had imposter syndrome. I've certainly had inferiority syndrome. <laughs> But not I don't think I've ever really had imposter syndrome. I think that I've always kind of approached the I guess I've always kind of approached my own practice, my own path and therefore everyone else's as it's all different. Everyone's doing something different and you can't. Can't I, again? I get it when you're new and and or when you're just learning. Of course, you compare yourself to your teachers and those who are um, more advanced than you. But I also think that you kind of quickly learn, even if you're just on your own and you're reading books. I think you quickly learn that everyone has different skills. Not everyone is taught the same stuff, and not everyone's good at the same stuff. You know, there are people who are much more skilled at you know, maybe like spirit work, whereas someone else might not be, but they're much better at ritual work, you know, and, you know, there, there are just, uh, there are different skills. And I think that if you, if you know what you're good at and you don't worry too much about where someone else is good, but you are not, and you focus on what you're badass at, then you don't really run into imposter syndrome as much because everyone has to come to the table with something different. Otherwise it's going to be a boring as fuck party, you know? So I think it's really important to kind of remember that and that it's okay if you're not really great at one thing, but you're really good at something else and someone else is good at the thing that you're not good at. You don't have to be the same level as everyone else at everything. So 
I don't know. I just, I don't think that that's ever really been an issue for me, but I totally get it. I just don't think that I've ever really had that issue. Well, I think part of it is, um, I think part of it is that they're, you know, being gay, I'm just going to, I'm going to pull my gay card out. Um, (laughs) That, that was a thing. That was a really big thing, especially when you've got, I'm going to use a a term that probably hasn't been used in a while, but that Wiccanate um, style of practice, which most of paganism is kind of floats around what would, you know, where things are fertility based and it's about a man and a woman and the great right is, you know, euphemism for fucking and, you know, all of these things. And it's not that, my ego doesn't understand it. I mean, I, I totally under, I can put the pieces together. I know what happens with the birds and the bees and why that's so important. Like I get it, but I don't feel that right. Like I don't have sex to procreate. I have sex to get closer to my partner and to, um, you know, have fun, you know, it's, it's a different kind of thing. And so, um, that was always, you know, you'd show up to, especially like general pagan events and everything is always geared towards the wheel of the year. It's always geared towards um, fertility of some kind. You know, every fucking O-Star ritual is about eggs and seeds. Well, I every, mean, that's, you know. but that's if you're going to like a neo-pagan or neo-Wiccan sure. thing, that's what it is. I sure, mean, but you that's, know. But that's brings that you just you just reinforce my point of, yeah. OK, so then I don't go to those places because that, right. that isn't somewhere where I feel welcome. It's not that I don't feel welcome. Welcome. It's just, you know, I'm not going to have the same. It's not what you connect with. It's not, it's not your view. It's not your. Exactly. So, so then you, so that's, so that's my problem. Right. And so there goes that imposter syndrome of like, okay, I can show up to these places. I can show up to those things. And of course I want to feel included. I want to go to, I want to have community. I mean, come on, just because I'm gay doesn't mean I don't deserve community. And so I go to those places and I have to just kind of go, okay, well again, you know, talker, the ego gets it, understands what's happening, but from a primal level, I'm just not connecting to it, but I'm there anyway. And so that makes me feel like an imposter um that makes me feel like an outsider even amongst those other people um and you know the good thing about that was that it 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 always forced me to think for myself which was great um but the bad thing about that though was it made it for so long it made it more my, my life was more about fitting in and um creating things that those people could fit into versus things that were you know self-centric or things that were um maybe a little bit more friendly to what i needed and it took me a long time to figure that out you know um there, there's a lot that's there to unpack. We don't, we're not going to do that in this episode, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, you know, that otherness to that, that's, that was always a thing. And I think once I, um, you know, being a man who worships the goddess, like that was a thing, obviously everybody remembers that cause that stuff. Cause we were doing, we were dealing with that while we were doing a show. Um, but you know, so there's, there's, uh, that has always been a thing for me. And I, I thought for my, to myself, like maybe it's cause I have cancer rising and I just have that, you know, I'm just sensitive to certain things. Um, but the flip side of that is I'm like, no, like, I, I really think like this is something that I've, I've had to deal with. Um, and, you know, 
it is what it is. But I don't. And I, I, I like when I go to things now, I see a lot more inclusive inclusivity. I see a lot more um, people kind of realizing that, you know, for well, I had this lovely conversation with a, a high priestess of another group. And um, she is she's on the other side of menopause. And so she and she is rediscovering herself sexually, you know, because everything's different now. And so to her, she's like, I'm so sick of these rituals where it's always about the maiden mother and crone. She's like, I may be, I may, I guess, you know, be a crone from the standards of the, of the society, but I've never felt more like a maiden in my life. I've never felt more alive in that way in my life. And so, you know, she goes to those things and everyone's expecting her to default to this. Like, well, you've, you've lost the ability to, to have your period. And so now you are going to be, you know, put in this corner and this is where you shall be elder. And she was like, no, I'm alive. I want to fuck yeah. everything. I love my body now. I I haven't never felt this way about myself before. And so we have to just kind of realize that and there's nothing against the fertility cycles. Like that has to happen. Like I totally get it. But there is so much more to life. And there is so much more to life as a pagan um, that I think getting away from those things or at least adding things to those practices, it's about time or, you know, it, it, would, it would help with that inclusivity kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, things like the like the whole uh, maiden mother crone dynamic that I've always found really interesting because I I have more witnessed on the outside that happen with other women in groups I've been in where, you know, when a woman who is older, she's now just kind of defaulted into that sort of view within the group or within just the dynamic of the, the local community or whatever. And. I always see it always even like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, always kind of confused me a little bit because I always kind of feel like, well, the triple goddess, if you want to get a little bit bigger about it, is not three separate beings. It's one with three sides. She's all three. And just one might come out more than the other at a certain time. So to say that, oh, well, you have now entered into menopause, therefore you are now in the stage of, of being a crone. Well, yeah, some days I might be crone-like, but other days I may very well be maiden-like because you're not one or the other. There's no, it's not a binary path. It's, you know, all of these things all at once. And the, in that regard, I can totally understand like feeling like, oh, well, I have to fit this role because that's what people expect of me. And I think well, that might... That might also, though, be part of like my whole thing of why I don't engage that much in the community anymore, because I don't like seeing that in for myself or anyone else. I, you know, and I and I'm so much more, you know, and this is, this is maybe the chaos, which in me speaking, but I'm just like so much more like, oh, just do your own fucking thing and just like whatever you want to do, just have at it. Hey everybody, it's Devin here. I'm proud to announce that the Witch Power series, my first book series with Llewellyn Worldwide, is now complete. And as if that wasn't awesome enough, I've developed a course for intermediate to advanced practitioners who want to take the material from the books and their Witch Power to a whole new level. In the Witch Power Masterclass, we take the work from the series and expand upon it through additional exercises, reading, audio and video lessons, and ritual. By the time you complete this 52-week course, you will not only have a grasp of what you and your witch power are capable of, but the direction and personal insight necessary to build a life with your magic that you want on your own terms. 
The Witch Power Masterclass is available only at themysticdreamacademy.com. Use code MODERNWITCH, that's all one word, to get $10 off. Again, that's at themysticdreamacademy.com, and you can use code MODERNWITCH, all one word, to get $10 off. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning into the Modern Witch Podcast. Once again, uh, I hope that uh, you enjoyed yourself. I know I enjoyed myself. And I also hope that you uh, join us next week when Jess and I dive into If We'd Only Known Part 2. Um, and things get, a, get interesting. Everything from spell work to politics. Uh, all the things. All the things will be there. So I hope that you tune in. In the meantime, you can check Jess out online via Twitter and Instagram at Jess J. Carlson. And you can get me at Mr. Devin Hunter on the tweets and Instagram. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.